Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know, get your pen, get your pad, you know that Jesus has been making some pretty fantastic claims that he is God. He claimed that he came out of heaven. He claimed that he would die and be raised by his own power. He claimed to be the only hope for eternal life. He claimed to be the gift of God sent to redeem the world. He claimed to be the person that every man's salvation depended on. He claimed to be the Messiah, the Deliverer. He claimed to be equal with God. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the Savior, the Sovereign Savior, Judge of all men. He claimed to be the Bread of Life, the Genuine Soul Food. These are amazing and astonishing claims. Now, when Jesus made these claims, some believed and some didn't. But just because they didn't believe didn't change the message. Jesus Christ kept confronting them with the same claims of his deity. I told you last week, show of hands. Were you with me last week? Show of hands. I told you last week that uh, on every page and every chapter and every incident, you hear Jesus claiming to be the son of God. Jesus is relentless and never lets up on his claim to be God. And instead of people coming to him and starting to believe the hostility gets hotter and hotter and hotter until you finally see that they crucify him. Got your pen? I'm going to give you five reasons to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Five reasons to believe the claims of Christ. I want you to write them down. This is what we'll talk about today. You should believe Jesus because of his knowledge. We'll talk about that in verse 14 and 15. Secondly, you should believe Jesus because of his test in verse 16 and 17. Thirdly, you should believe Jesus because of his selflessness in verse 16. Pardon me, verse 18. And then fourthly, you should believe Jesus because of his impact in verse 19 through 20. And then fifthly, you should believe Jesus because of his deeds in verse 21. Through 23. Five reasons to believe Jesus, to believe the claims of Christ. Number one, y'all come on, read it with me. Number one, because of his knowledge. Number two, because of his test. Number three, because of his selflessness, not selfishness, selflessness. You get that? Number four, because of his impact, and finally, because of his deeds, you ought to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I've titled this sermon, Willing to Do His Will. 
John chapter 7, saints, we pick up in verse 14. Why? Because we left off in verse 13 last week. Amen. We teach verse by verse here, new people. We teach verse by verse, and we just leave one verse and go right to the next one. And a lot of church ain't doing that anymore, y'all know. Amen. And uh, so verse uh, 14, John chapter 7, we pick up in verse 14. If you're looking at verse 14, say amen. Amen. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and he taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied? And Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. In verse 17, it's so good, saints, I want you to read it with me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, you got a demon. You're crazy. Who's seeking to kill you? And Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you marvel. Moses, therefore, gave you circumcision, not that it was from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? In verse 24, come on, read it with me. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember I told you that in Israel, there are three mandatory feasts. Every Jewish male must attend. The Feast of Passover the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacle. Remember I told you last week? In chapter 7, here we are at the Feast of the Tabernacles. Uh, It's going on, and and there are booze everywhere. Uh, The Feast of Tabernacles was a time to remember when uh, the people of God were wandering around in wilderness, and the people of Israel would set up pup tents under the stars, and they would lay there and look up at the stars, and they would tell their children, of the time that the people of God were wandering in the wilderness and God was faithful as God took care of them. He provided water from a rock and he provided meat, quail, and he provided, uh, what is it? Manna from heaven. And uh, God took care of them and God provided for them. And last week we learned that Jesus is doing ministry in the region of Galilee. Were you with me last week? And uh, I'm going to encourage you. I think I did in first and second. I want to encourage you as well. If you missed last week's teaching, I think uh, last week's teaching was uh, a pretty uh, uh, poignant, important for our church uh, last Sunday. And so I'm going to encourage you today, after service, go to the... uh, a bookstore. Also, I want to encourage you, if you were not here on Wednesday, were you here on Wednesday? 
Just by round of applause. Who was here on Wednesday? Uh huh. Yeah. You know, it sounds like four people, but there were a whole lot more than that, really. On Wednesday, it was really, really just, I really felt like God had a word. So go to the bookstore and pick up Sunday's teaching, pick up Wednesday's teaching. And, uh, and I think the, the CDs are three, four dollars or something like that. So if you don't have three bucks, uh, just tell them you don't have three bucks and tell them to give you a CD for free. And, uh, and again, that's if you don't have three bucks. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all go to bookstore. Pastor Ronnie said, give away a free CD. <laughs> Pastor Ronnie didn't say that. If you ain't got three bucks, if you got three bucks, pay the people. Thank you, sister. So last week we learned, I want you to get those CDs, very important. Jesus is doing ministry in the region of the Galilee in John chapter 7, verse 3. Jesus' brothers tried to get him to go up to Jerusalem, remember? Look at verse 3 of chapter 7. Jesus' brothers tried to get him to go up to Jerusalem to show himself and to do some mighty works to prove who he claimed to be. And look at verse 6. Jesus said, my hour has not yet come or my time has not yet come. And we talked about the hour. It speaks of a pre-written appointed time that Jesus would go to the cross. Jesus went up to Jerusalem quietly and secretly because the hostility and the hatred is growing. And there's an all points bulletin out for his life. Point number one, you should believe Jesus because of his knowledge in verse 14 and 15. Now, remember, I told you Jesus spent seven quiet months in Galilee, seven quiet months with the 12 disciples teaching and ministering to them. And these seven months are critical because the disciples are going to be the bearers of the gospel when Jesus left the earth. And now Jesus leaves the quiet hills of the Galilee and he goes to the big city. And keep in mind, Jesus is going to the place where the hatred and the hostility is intense. They hated him without a cause. They hated him and now Jesus will face them square on. So Jesus arrives in Jerusalem and the first place he goes is into the temple. Now listen, this is a rabbinic custom in Jesus' day, uh, when a rabbi would come into a city, um, he would oftentimes go straight to the temple, and he'd walk into the temple, very customary. He would sit down and cross his legs, and the priest on duty would hand him a scroll, and then they would, he would begin to expound from the Old Testament and teach the people. So Jesus is acting according to custom. We're not told what Jesus taught exactly, if my guess is right, and it is, amen. Jesus probably said, listen, fellas, he probably held up a scroll, because remember, they didn't have a book, they had a, they had a scroll, and he probably held up a scroll and he went, Shoo. he said, listen, fellas, this whole scroll is about me. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about me. Before Father Abraham was, what Jesus say? 
I am. Jesus would say, I am the seed of the woman spoken about in Genesis. I am the Passover lamb in Exodus. I'm the anointed high priest in Leviticus. I'm in the book of Numbers. I am the brazen serpent in Deuteronomy. I'm the great rock in the wilderness. Jesus would take them all the way to Malachi and tell them that I am the son of righteousness of Malachi. Jesus would say, I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I always was, I always shall be eternal and equal with God. Believe in me and you're saved. Refuse me and you're damned. And I'm confident that these Jews are dumbfounded, shocked, chagrined. You haven't heard that word in a while, have you? Chagrined, shocked. Their chin is on the floor. Jesus is like, hey, you need some help putting up that chin. They're probably like, How can someone make those claims? Now get the scene here. Jesus is in the temple. The Jews have been looking for him. And keep in mind, when we say the Jews, we're talking about the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders are listening to Jesus make these fantastic claims, and they are speechless and dumbfounded and skeptical. And they say, look at verse 15 again in your Bibles. How does this man know letters having never studied? They were amazed that Jesus sounded so learned, so scholarly, so literary, so articulate, so profound. They were amazed at his academics. So they couldn't figure it out because Jesus had not been to their schools. Historians tell us, and I just learned this the other day, historians tell us that in Jerusalem at this time, there were 30 plus seminaries in Jerusalem in Jesus' day. And Jesus had never gone to any of their classes. And so they are dumbfounded at his flawless ability to teach. And the Jewish leaders of that day were known for quoting other rabbis. But Jesus wasn't quoting other rabbis. He taught like he knew what he was talking about. He talked as if he actually knew God. And they are amazed that he spoke this way. He hadn't been educated. He hadn't gone to seminary. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with going to seminary. I've had people come to me and tell me oftentimes they want to go into ministry and they're going to go into seminary and they do go to seminary. And there is nothing wrong with going to seminary. But can I tell you something? Seminary cannot call you nor anoint you for the ministry of God. I knew I'm going to wait while you clap your hands and say amen right there. Isn't that, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Nothing wrong with seminary. Nothing wrong with education. Paul was educated. He studied at the feet of one of the greatest Bible scholars of his time, Gamaliel. God used Paul's training in scriptures and he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. At the same time, Paul realized all of his learning was nothing compared to having the knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? You can have all the degrees you want on your wall. You can have all the letters you want after your name. You can have an AA and an MBA and a triple A and an and a, and a, and a MDiv and a DIV and a DDD and and A, B, C, and uh, you, can have all, you can have all them letters after your name. You get what I'm saying. 
But if you listen to me close, are not called and anointed by God to preach the word of God, it will do you no good. What we are talking about, I'm waiting for you to clap your hands. We are talking about something that is of God. The pulpit is of God. The preaching is of God. These words are coming from God. How many people do we know that have gone to seminary and they're not good preachers? Amen. Now I know some have gone to seminary and they're great preachers. And I know some that's gone to seminary and they're not good preachers. Because it takes anointing. These words are the words of the living God. These are not words of natural man. And therefore, it takes a living God to breathe life into these words. Let me tell you a little secret. After every sermon that I prepare, after every single one of them, I have a friend of mine who always asks me, hey, you ready? And I tell him, I tell him each and every time, that, you know what, I can't, honestly, it's not a matter of being ready. It's a matter of anointing. It's a matter of, has God taken the words that I've put on this paper and breathed life into them? This is about anointing. God doesn't need qualified people. Remember, God qualifies the called. Am I right about it? We think of the 12 uh, disciples. These were ordinary, blue-collar, uneducated, untrained fishermen and tax collectors. These were blue-collar guys. And in Acts chapter 14, it tells us, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized what, somebody read it with me, that they had been with Jesus. See, that's the point. When it comes to understanding the scriptures, no amount of education can give you the knowledge of God. It has to come from God. I've had people tell me that they're going to go into the ministry and I'll tell them, you want to go into the ministry? They go, yeah, I'm going to go to seminary. I'll tell them, you know what? How about this? Why don't you keep that on the table for a minute? And if you really want to go into the ministry and they go, yeah, I really want to serve. I want to go into the ministry. I'm going to go into seminary. I say, why don't you keep that? Hold that for a second. You go into a ministry. Why don't you grab that Hoover vacuum cleaner over there and vacuum up this whole church? Because the ministry the ministry is where the people are. The ministry is not behind a desk in a classroom. The ministry is vacuuming the church in a sanctuary because y'all going to come in here and don't, you can't walk through trash. The ministry is cleaning the bathroom in the bathroom. Don't y'all know it takes somebody to clean that bathroom? Y'all go in there and go, oh, Calvary Chapel's so clean. <laughs> don't you know there's somebody doing the work of the ministry to clean that bathroom? So the ministry is where the people are. You go to the place where the people are and, and, and need ministry. That's where you can find ministry. I've told you many, many times. I, I've never been to seminary. Uh, I barely got out of 12th grade. And uh, my mother was here last week. Good thing she ain't here now. She'll tell you all the whole story. And uh, I barely got out of 12th grade. And I, I, just, I just was not... You know, some people are very academic like that, and they like classroom and stuff, and I just, I just didn't. And, um, but it was really interesting because I was very good with grammar and English, and um, 
um, um, like, uh, what do you call it, like reading comprehension. Uh, that's what they called it back then. Now they've got all different kind of titles, like math. You know, back then they call it math. Now they used to call it arithmetic. Y'all remember arithmetic? Where are my people at? Y'all got to be 50 or older to remember arithmetic. <laughs> Some of y'all giving it away, but, but you, you remember that arithmetic, and, and, you know, and I was good in those kind of things, but I didn't really like classroom, and, and I, just, I just never really, really got it. I'd never been to, to, to seminary, and, and people ask me often, especially people that, you know, have maybe don't know me and are new to church after service, they'll go, oh, Pastor Rodney, I just enjoyed the service so much. Oh, where, where did you go to seminary? And I tell them, oh, well, I went to UHS. They go, UHS? What is UHS? What seminary is UHS? The University of the Holy Spirit. That's where I went. They go, oh, I see. I went to the University of the Holy Spirit. God taught me, listen, and I have been very clear to tell you, God has taught me every single thing that I know about the scriptures. God has taught me. And it has come with spending time with Jesus. Y'all remember last week, were you with me? I was telling you about the Volkswagen Vanagon, and I used to go in for lunch. Uh, I used to have my lunch in a Volkswagen Vanagon. And, um, and y'all remember that, you know, like the Vanagon now is kind of corny, but back then that was a cool, cool car. We had nice, it was great. We had tinted windows. And remember the wheel in the Vanagon was kind of like a bus? And uh, man, I was rolling deep. I was. I was rolling. I thought my mannequin was cool. I mean, back then, those mannequins, y'all remember those mannequins? They were kind of cool back then. So, I, and I remember, like, you know, they would say, hey, Finch, Finch, man, we going over to, you know, uh, at the, at the ale bale place to get lunch and, uh, get some chicken wings. You want to go with us? No, I'm, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and have lunch. And I used to bring my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, my tuna fish sandwich, and I would get in my Volkswagen van again. And I would sit there and listen to Pastor Chuck. This is how I learned the Bible. I would sit there and listen to Pastor Chuck Smith every single day at 12 o'clock, Monday through Friday. At 12 o'clock, he was going through the book of Romans. And I would listen to Pastor Chuck, and my Bible was so full of notes. I would take notes right here. I never dawned on me to get a piece of paper. It just, it just didn't for four years. It never dawned on me. And my notes, and I can show you that Bible today. You can't even read the words on the page. I got so many notes in it. And I sat in there, and that was my classroom. And God taught me his word then. And then later on, I led a guy, you heard his name before, his name is Anthony Ruby. I led Anthony Ruby to the Lord at his house over a spaghetti dinner with him and his wife, me and my wife. And uh, I felt like I needed to, you know, disciple him. So, you know, and, and, you know, by the way, side note, if you lead somebody to the Lord, it's your responsibility to disciple them. Uh-huh. Four people agree with that. That's shocking. So I, you know, I felt like I needed disciples. So I used to listen to Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck, at Tuesday at twelve o'clock, and then I would have my group, my discipleship with Anthony on Thursdays at twelve o'clock, and I would basically tell him the very same thing I just learned from Pastor Chuck Smith. So he, I'd have Bible study with him, and he'd go, "You know what? You are so profound." You are so deep, so learned, so profound. I go, well, (laughs) 
Somebody has to be, what can I say? I never told him it. I was just telling him what I just learned from Pastor Chuck two days ago, you know. But I was just, you know, what was really important was that, 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 that you know Jesus. Not that you know about Jesus, but that you know, you know, there's so many people who know Jesus, but, but uh, know about Jesus, but Jesus wants you to know him personally. They marvel. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. They marvel. Because they had spent time with Jesus. Listen, I, I heard this story. I got to read it to you. And God, God, give me grace. Look, listen to this story. At the University of Chicago Divinity School each year, they have what is called Baptist Day. And Baptist Day is when all the Baptists are invited to school to raise money for the school. Well, everybody brings their lunch and they eat outside on the grass. Each year they would invite some of the greatest minds to lecture. Well, this year they invited Dr. Paul Tillage. Dr. Tillage spoke two and a half hours proving the resurrection of Jesus was false. Well, he quoted scholar after scholar and book after book, and he concluded that there was no such thing as the historical resurrection. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.